0: Welcome to the Compounding Center Connections, where we talk about different health conditions with our partner practitioners. I'm your host, Jay Gill, a compounding pharmacist from the Compounding Center in Leesburg, Virginia. At the Compounding Center, we collaborate with practitioners, create custom medications to help our patients get better. So, in this episode, we have a returning guest, Dr. Kevin Chan the Senior Clinical Director at Treehouse Eyes in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. So in this episode, we're gonna focus on talking about low-dose atropine eye drops, and why does it have to be compounded? Now, in our earlier podcast, uh, Dr. Chan talked to us about childhood myopia, uh, and in this one, we wanted to focus a little bit more about, about the treatment and use of low dose atropine hydrox. So, Dr. Chang, thanks for joining us. Before we get started, could you please introduce yourself to the viewers and listeners?
1: Sure. Thanks, Dr. Gill, for having me on this podcast. Um, my name is Dr. Kevin Chan. I am the Senior Clinical Director at Treehouse Size in Tysons Corner, Virginia. So, for those who are not familiar with Treehouse Size, we are the um, uh, myopia Dedicated Clinic, which only exclusively provide uh, myopia management service for young kids. So we only serve pediatric population. And uh, essentially, myopia occurs, essentially it's a, um, also known as nearsightedness, and and occurs when patient's eyeball becomes too long. They're elongating um, more than they should. So therefore, they will experience the symptoms of blurry vision. So the way we treat them uh, is by using different treatment modality including something called orthokeratology lenses, which is a type of rigid contact lenses, whereby uh, we can correct the vision during nighttime so that they they can uh, sleep with the lenses. By the time they wake up in the morning, vision will be well corrected. The second type of modality is the soft multifocal contact lenses for um, daytime use. And then the third, but not least, is the topical atropine medication, which is the primary interest of the podcast today.
0: So, everyone, uh, the information discussed today is for informational purposes only, not for diagnosis. And so, let's get started. Uh, Dr. Chan, j- uh, just take a few minutes and talk to us about what is myopia, what is happening to the eye, and perhaps some common symptoms that a parent should look out for before we dive into uh, low dose atropine eye drops.
1: Sure. So as I alluded earlier, myopia is a medical eye condition, also known as near suddenness. So it occurs when our eyeball becomes too long or elongating to what we, uh, um, it exceeded to what is a typical expected level. So typically children, especially children, would experience a lot of symptoms associated with myopia, including blurry vision without correction, or they may have a habit of rubbing the eyes or squinting in school, not able to see well, having a lot of um, eye strain or even headache after school. So there, um, as I said, you know, there are a number of treatment that can be available and suitable for young kids. We'll dive into a little bit more in detail.
0: Um, and um, to talk to us about like, like how uh, important or critical is it to uh, diagnose this earlier in life and you know, and to keep up with those scheduled visits, so we delay some downstream adults, uh, you know, uh, uh, we may have higher probability against certain conditions. Could you touch upon that a little bit?
1: Sure. So statistically, we're seeing that um, back in the 1970s, um, there are only about 25 percent of the population being diagnosed with myopia. Uh, fast forward three decades later, we're also seeing nearly 66% increase of the prevalence of myopia. So these days, we are seeing you know tons of kids having myopia, and it's also projected to uh, rise to a different level. By the year 2050, nearly half of the global population will become myopic. So essentially, one out of two kids would have need to have glasses or having some sort of visual uh, uh, impairment. So that is a really critical message for um, parent out there who are not yet um, familiar with the idea of myopia and how to provide the best um, eye care service for your kid. So that's why it's really critical and important to make a diagnosis early so that the kid can be well treated because myopia actually have a, a specific window for which uh, we need to treat uh, properly. If we miss the window, um, um, then kids will be more likely to progress over time and then the delayed treatment will also um, somewhat affect the clinical outcome at the end. So it's really important to bring the kids um, to the eye exam, you know, as young as uh, six months old. And then by the time we're able to diagnose them with myopia, there are many, many different um, idea and options we can provide for slowing down their myopia so that their, uh, the rate of visual impairment will be much reduced.
0: Okay, so one of the treatments option you mentioned you use is low-dose atropine eye drops. Um, Could you tell us how does it work and how effective um, it is for this condition?
1: Yes, so typically atropine drops um, has been studied in the past two to three decades and uh, the, although the actual mechanism remain unknown and um, need more research to substantiate it, but what we found based on the number of theory is that atropine drop work by upregulating the, uh, one of the neurotransmitter cell called the dopamine inside the retina. And then when the dopamine cells is being upregulated or uh, stimulated, they can actually help the eye to um, shape the way so that it won't continue to elongate. And another type of theory suggests that, you know, because atropine drop itself have uh, dilated uh, features, meaning the pupil will be slightly enlarged after the installation of atropine. So some theories suggest that by using a uh, dilating drop, um, it will actually help uh, uh, the light enters the eye much easier. And that sort of... um, Uh, light entering will actually help stimulate the eye in a different fashion so that your eye will be less likely to um, progress over time.
0: So let me give some insight um, onto our listeners and viewers on why low-dose atropine has to be compounded. Now, We call, uh, we define low-dose atropine as anywhere in the range of 0.01% to perhaps 0.1%. It is available uh, at a regular concentration at 1% from a retail pharmacy. It's manufactured, uh, uh, you know, and you can get it at a regular retail pharmacy at a 1% concentration, and it's a sterile eye drop. So you know, low dose atropine has to be basically compounded by a compounded pharmacist. And we at the compounding center are certified and equipped to make sterile formulations. And sterile formulations basically require a totally separate environment or a different suite that is, uh, for simplicity's sake, it's a very clean environment, a clean environment where you know your equipment uh, and the personnel is garbed up head to toe, gloves on, and you are using technique that ensures there's no risk of contamination to the product that could lead to an infection. So you know, most of us compounders, and we particularly at the compounding center, we take the one percent atropine eye drop, and we dilute it down by a hundred fold by, you know, adding normal saline to it down to a point zero one percent, and that's the low dose atropine formulation. Now, the starting product, which is atropine one percent, is sterile, and we dilute it down with a sterile normal saline. So it's a very low risk sterile compounded preparation that's considered in our industry, because we're combining two sterile products. Um, now, one of the things that I want the parents and uh, even practitioners to know is when you get the manufactured atropine 1%, it has a preservative in it, and it's called benzyconium chloride, which is there in a certain amount and its properties are that it's, it's a preservative, and it helps preserve that formulation so no bacteria or microbes grow in it. That's its purpose. So imagine now we have taken as a compounder and diluted this down by a hundredfold. Now we have diluted this preserved benzoclonium, this preservative benzoconium chloride by a hundredfold, therefore making it negligible and you know, almost eliminating its properties that it's there for as a preservative. So you basically, it is an ineffective preservative at this point. So, you know, the unique thing that we do at the compounding center is we actually then take this diluted low dose atropine and package it into a bottle that is designed for preservative free eye drops. And this particular bottle is, I'm sure you're used to seeing this Dr. Chan, but it might look different to some, uh, you know, to others, because we're most more used to seeing bottles like this, you know, uh, when we buy things off the shelf. So bottles, uh, this type of bottle delivers one drop at a time. So it's a, what they call a closed container. So when you squeeze out one drop, it does not allow any air to go back into and you know into the product itself. So it's a closed container. So we have no preservative or very negligible amount of preservative and there's no air going into the product. So the probability of this product remaining sterile is much better than something that is packaged in this type of a bottle, which is open. So once you open it, the product is not sterile anymore. And the parent might be using this for up to three months, perhaps, uh, the product that's in it. So, you know, the reason it has to be compounded and packaged in an appropriate bottle is very important here and recognizing that it's practically preservative free. Um, So that's one of the things that I, uh, we get a lot of questions on is, you know, why does it need to be compounded? And uh, the other one is me ensuring or giving the confidence as you the practitioner who is prescribing this uh, medication, me the pharmacist making sure this product remains sterile throughout its use by using an appropriate container and obviously the confidence of the parent because it's kids eyes that we're talking about here. So um, one of the other things before I forget, I wanna touch upon is we've had our product tested. Uh, In fact, we've had this particular bottle tested that it does not leak any air into it. We've had the product tested that it remains sterile in an unopened bottle for up to 180 days. We've also had the product tested that the product is potent for 180 days. And the way we dispense it at the pharmacy is we literally dispense three different bottles to the parent. So each bottle is to be opened and used for up to 28 days. And the parent, once they open it, it's stored at room temperature. But once they open it, we want to take an extra level of uh, safety. And we usually ask them to you know, keep it in the refrigerator, but it does not have to be stored in the refrigerator. And lastly, you know, when, when we are, when we don't know where the product, once it's dispensed from the pharmacy is gonna be stored, whether, you know, the parent is traveling with the kids or it's stored in a the bathroom, these are environments that we can't control. And, you know, it makes you wonder why would we dispense it in a bottle that's open, you know, uh, in an open container? So that is something that I wanted to share with our listeners uh, and viewers about. And I'll make sure I will put, especially for our uh, viewers, um, our listeners, I mean, in the show notes, you know, the, uh, the uh, picture of this unit dose bottle. I know uh, uh, you had a question regarding that you get quite often about using multiple drops or a concentrated drop. Uh, uh, And uh, did you want to go ahead and uh, what's that? uh, You know, go ahead and ask that.
1: Sure, Dr. Gale. So um, I encounter a lot of questions, especially this this is the top number one question from both practitioner and also parent. They were wondering, you know, if there's any differences in terms of the clinical efficacy between, especially for atropine drop when they're low dose concentration, we'll typically start with 0.05% with one drop, but depends on the um, patient's risk factor and how the treatment progress goes. Sometimes we have to um, specifically cater for each individual. So we may have to alter the um, the number of drops being used. So from one drop up to increase to two drops um, per night. Uh, question is, what is your comment about the clinical efficacy between using two drops of 0.05% atropine versus one drop of 0.1% atropine?
0: So uh, Dr. Chan, from, uh, from the pharmaceutical perspective, the amount of dose of atropine or the drug that you're getting, whether you use two drops of 0.05 and one drop of 0.1 is the same. I think um, it is more uh, very uh, patient specific because of the, of the tolerability of the child. What I mean by that is um, sometimes uh, when you make a concentrated drop such as 0.1, even though it's one drop, it might be irritating to the person's eye. So for that patient, you may have to use a different strategy and use two drops of the 0.05 and see if they tolerate that better, okay? On the flip side, you could have a patient that, you know, uh, at the 0.05 is, um, is, is, is basically, you know, too much for the kid that you needed something concentrated for them, and they're able to tolerate it. It's very patient specific, but for efficacy standpoint, both both scenarios works well, and they get absorbed.
1: That's great. It's a great reassurance for both um, practitioner and also the parents, so that they don't have to freak out, you know, when they're running low of medication. And,
0: and I would say, you know, um, uh, it, it's it's uh, it's it's your it's our conversation that we have the, with the parent. Uh, you know, if the point one is too irritating, doesn't mean the therapy has to be changed entirely. You know, we need to drop down to something weaker and use multiple drops. You know, two drops. Or on the flip side, if you know, if the child is not able to stay stand still to have two drops put in both eyes perhaps we can try the 0.1% and see if that works for that particular child, you know? Great, I see. So, uh, you know, um, one of the things I'm always, um, you know, trying to bring to attention because of today's environment and technology is, uh, could you share with us some of your um, recommendations and, you know, that you talk to the parents about some, Perhaps unhealthy habits that kids may have that we need to kind of, you know, uh, talk to them about, and what your recommendations would be to, you know, uh, change these habits just to delay the progress, you know, of this condition.
1: Right, that's a great question. I encountered, you know, this question almost every single day from parents. You know, they were, um, you know, wondering and also pretty concerned about the amount of screen time that their kids are using. And especially, you know, during and since the pandemic, you know, more and more classes are switched from in-person to virtual, even though the situation is now getting a little bit more relief. But still, the kids are and adolescents are spending an extraordinary amount of time, of uh, screen time, um, and pretty much everything is on done on this computer and uh, tablet. So it's not a, the most healthiest uh, habit for them to engage in. So I strongly recommend parents to bring their kids outside at least 90 minutes a day, uh, if possible, so that it it would help them uh, have a lot more outdoor exposure. The reason is some studies have found that sunlight and natural outdoor exposure can actually help mitigate the progression of myopia. So kids are less likely to grow uh, as fast as someone who are in indoor number of study, you know, uh, done in different continent between like, for example, Singapore and Australia, the kids um, that are growing up, growing up in um, Australia are actually less likely or less prone to the progression of myopia, mainly because their classroom and outdoor time are much more um, more uh, flexible, than you know, those kids are being uh, studied and in, in the, uh, Singapore. Those are the um, environment that has been so confined, they're, you know, being indoor all the time. So the take-home message for um, parents is that you do have to spend a bit more time with your kids outside and try to regulate the amount of screen time that they're doing.
0: Well, thank you very much for sharing those recommendations. Um, and I thank you for Uh, joining us again, uh, and asking us to clarify as compounders how it's uh, compounded. Um, Now, if someone wanted to reach out to you, uh, how can they uh, reach out to you?
1: Sure. Um, So feel free to uh, contact me. My email address is kevin, K-E-V-I-N, dot chan, C-H-A-N, at com. So same question for you, Dr. Gill. How How would um, parent be able to find you and your pharmacy uh, for get more information about atropine drops?
0: Well, we can be reached, um, you know, by, uh, you can look us up on Google, the uh, compoundingcenter.com, and you can either text us or call us at the number listed, uh, and it's 703-779-3301, and I'll make sure that we put our, both our uh, contact information in the show notes. Uh, so everybody can have that. And um, everyone, thank you for tuning into the Compounding Center Connections podcast. We hope you found this information presented to you be helpful. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to me at j at compoundingcenter.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel, The Compounding Center Connections, and stay tuned for future
1: episodes. Thank, thank you. you you <laughs>